Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. The most important lesson I've learned is to never give up hope and to keep your faith in God because he's working miracles all the time. I've seen them firsthand and to live with no regrets because if you live with regrets, you'll miss out on something. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of your program. We are in season 14 and we're so happy you're here with us today. First of all, I'd like to give a shout out to our newest patron. Thank you so much, David Franco, for becoming a patron of Hearts Unite the Globe or HUG the nonprofit organization that funds this podcast. By pledging a monthly donation to HUG, David is helping us to grow our nonprofit so we can have more episodes of Heart to Heart with Anna and keep the program free of charge to the public. His donation, along with the other donations we've received, will go toward the production costs of our podcast, maintenance of our website, and toward the development of new programs. If you would like to help out too, just head over to Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash heart to heart and learn more about joining our team. Today's show features a heart warrior and our episode is entitled Raising Awareness of Iva Mark Syndrome. Julia Mayfield is an adult born with a rare genetic condition called Ivermark syndrome. According to the National Organization for Rare Disorders, Ivermark syndrome is comprised of an absent or underdeveloped spleen, cardiovascular anomalies, and abnormal placement of the organs in the chest and or abdomen. Julia's heart is on the right side of her chest instead of the left, and she is missing her spleen. By the time she was nine years old, she had been through four open-heart surgeries, the final of which caused a massive stroke post-op. She also developed severe scoliosis and required surgery. She is joining us today to raise awareness of Ivermark syndrome and share her experiences of growing up into adulthood with this condition. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Julia Mayfield. Hello. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the program today so we can learn about Ivermark syndrome. Can you tell us about this condition? Well, from my knowledge, it is a very rare genetic condition that affects the placement and formation of the body's internal organs. Like what you said, my heart is on the right side of my body. It is also flipped backwards and is upside down as well. I am missing my spleen and my liver is midline. Oh, wow. Wow. So what kind of problems has that caused you, Julia? It just has caused me to be sick a lot more. I've never been able to play any sports, well, any contact sports, because they are afraid of me getting hit 
Sure. On my liver. Oh, wow. They're afraid of you being hit on your liver. They're not afraid of the impact on your chest? They're afraid of the impact on my chest, but they want me to really guard my liver. Oh, wow. Because instead of it being behind my ribs, Mm -hmm. it is midline, so it has no shield. Wow. That's really scary. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So this is really a very rare condition, like you said. So Mm -hmm. what do you think our listeners need to know and understand about Ivermark syndrome and its history? Because I know you have a really unique story about learning about the history of Ivermark syndrome. From my knowledge of what I think the listeners should know is it was discovered in November of 1955 by a man named Bjorn Ivamark. And you are right, I did have some contact with his grandson Mm -hmm. for a school project. I just think that's such a cool story, Julia. I know, it's so neat. (laughs) How did he find you? Well, there's a young man and his mother who made a Facebook page for him. And this young man also has Ivermark syndrome. Okay. So he contacted the Facebook page, and this young man is not able to comprehend or speak about it because he had a stroke Mm -hmm. and everything. And his mom's like, he's not able to understand the whole concept. But I do know a young lady who has Ivermark syndrome as well. And then she gave him my name, he looked me up on Facebook, and that's how it all got started. Wow. Okay, so tell us what the young man was doing for his project. He was writing a paper for, I don't know what class it was for, but it was, they had to do an end-of-the-year project, and they had to write about something that they found really interesting about their family. And so he knew his last name was Ivan Mark, so he looked into it, and his grandfather actually discovered Ivan Mark. So Ivan Mark syndrome is named after his grandfather. That is just such a cool story. So I'm assuming that his grandfather was a doctor? I think he was. Okay. So I was just curious, was he a cardiologist or was he a internal medicine doctor? Because we know that the internal organs are displaced. And I don't know what type of doctor he was. Okay. Okay. So you just know that this young man reached out to you and mm-hmm. that his grandfather is the one who noticed that there were certain people who had this combination of problems and he got his name put onto the syndrome. This this is something that lots of doctors do. <laughs> they get their yeah. names put on a syndrome or a procedure or something like that. Well, that's like I had a doctor when I was younger, Dr. Jacqueline Noonan, and she mm-hmm. discovered Noonan syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You have been touched by a number of celebrities in the medical field. Yep. Interesting. So you told me that online you met a mother whose son had Ivermark syndrome. Do you know anyone else who has the same condition you do? No, I do not. 
Wow. So there's not a support group online for people with Ivermark syndrome or conferences or anything like that? For Ivermark syndrome in itself, no. Okay. They like to lump it with heterotaxy syndrome, oh. which is different mm-hmm. than Ivermark syndrome. With heterotaxy births, there are 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 25,000 each year. Mm-hmm. But there is no sufficient estimate of occurrence for Ivermark syndrome. Oh, wow. How interesting. So why do you think they lump heterotaxy in with Ivermark syndrome? Just because, because the heart is... Because they have some of the same characteristics. Okay. Like with asplenia and with the heart yeah, being on the wrong side of the body. you can have asplenia or polysplenia. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, your heart may be on the opposite side. Or this young man that I became really good friends with, him and his family, his heart is actually in the middle of his chest. Interesting. So how did it make you feel when you found somebody online who had a condition like you? Oh, I was ecstatic. I bet you were. Because when I was younger, I always strived to find somewhere that I belonged or someone that was like me and I never could find someone and then when I got into adulthood that's when it all started coming together and this young man's mother messaged me my mom found his page on Facebook she said oh look he's got Iowa Mark syndrome like you and so I started messaging his mother and then it all became like one giant family friendship. I love it. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Julia, before the break, we were talking about Ivermark syndrome. And for those of you who are just joining us now, according to the National Organization for Rare Disorders, which is also known as NORD, Ivermark syndrome is comprised of an absent or underdeveloped spleen, cardiovascular anomalies, and a normal placement of the organs in the chest and or abdomen. And Julia was telling us that it is so rare that people often will lump Ivermark syndrome in with heterotaxy. But we were talking about how heterotaxy actually 
actually is a very different syndrome than what Ivermark syndrome is. So Julia, let's start this segment by talking about your surgeries. Tell us about some of the surgeries that you've had because of your birth defects. I've had four heart surgeries. The first one took place when I was a few days old, and that was the left classic BT shunt. Okay. It was used to reroute blood flow. Mm -hmm. My second one followed at a year old, and that was when I had the central shunt put in, and that was to also reroute blood flow. Mm -hmm. And then I had a third one at three, and that was the left bidirectional glen shunt. It was basically used to stabilize my heart. And then I had one at nine, the fenestrate at Fontaine, and that was also to stabilize my heart because the way that my heart is, I do not qualify for a transplant. Mm -hmm. And so they had to work with what they had. Mm -hmm. So you have a single ventricle heart, Julia. Yep, I do. Wow. Is that another of the characteristics of Ivermark syndrome, that it's actually a single ventricle heart? I don't think that that characteristic is normal okay. or normally a symptom of it. Okay. But I know there are some people with different syndromes or different heart defects that have a single ventricle. Interesting. And you're an adult, so I'm wondering if you don't mind sharing what year you were born. I was born in 1993. Okay. Because it's kind of unusual to get a Fontaine at the age of nine. I know. Yeah. So were you having exercise tolerance problems and fatigue when you were a little kid? As far as I know, I didn't. Okay. But you did have the BT shunt you had the BT yeah, shunt. I had the early, BT shunt. And then a bidirectional. The central shunt. Plan. And yeah. then the bidirectional. And you had the bidirectional when you were three? Yes. I actually know a couple of adults who never got the Fontaine. They're living with the bidirectional Glen and they're mm. doing fine. They're able to work and have families and all kinds of things. Yeah. But having the Fontaine is like the icing on top when you have a single ventricle heart. That seems to be yeah. the typical progression of surgeries that people with a single ventricle heart have. So, wow, lots of surgeries starting from a very young age. What kind of impact did that have on you growing up? It was really hard being a little kid because all you wanted to do was be normal. Sure. And you couldn't be that because... Like at school, you couldn't run on the playground or mm -hmm. it really didn't affect my schooling until age nine right. because I did suffer a stroke post-op mm -hmm. and it did render me for a few months not being able to walk or to talk. Wow. Wow. That must have been so scary because by the age of nine, you're so much more aware of what's going on. Yeah. And what was really weird is I had just gotten a bicycle for my birthday oh. and I had to leave because my last surgery was on July 3rd mm -hmm. and my birthday is on June 15th. Oh, so you'd only had it for about a month. Yeah. And whenever I got my bicycle, like a couple of days after my birthday, 
we had to travel to Cleveland, Ohio. And there I was operated on by Dr. Roger Mee. Oh my gosh, you had Dr. Me. I have so many、yeah. friends whose children were operated on by him. For those of you who don't know, he traveled to the United States from Australia and he is very well known for being an excellent surgeon. So, wow, Dr. Noonan, Dr. Ivamar, Dr. Me, I'm impressed. You've had a veritable who's who of doctors either working with you or who have created the. Nomenclature for the syndrome that you have—that is absolutely amazing, Julia. Okay, so Doctor Roger Me is the one who operated on you, and、mm-hmm. unfortunately, though, you suffered a stroke. Yes, my first word after my stroke, whenever I learned how to re-talk、mm-hmm. halfway, was home. Oh, yeah. And I was in the hospital, and my mom and my stepdad at the time. Didn't quite understand because they thought I was talking about home being heaven. Oh, and that's not what I meant. I meant home as in、Let's、my physical home. <laughs> yeah. And so whenever I started talking and everything and saying home, then they couldn't get anybody else to listen to them. Well, Doctor Me was doing rounds, and they're like, "Hey, you gotta come see this." And they try to get him in the room, and letting him hear me say it.、Mm-hmm. But I was stubborn. Oh no! <laughs> as any nine-year-old would be. Sure. And I did not want to say it. Oh. So they're like, "Okay, stand outside, out of the window, but you know, kind of look in the window."、Mm-hmm. And they were making me do different eye movements, and they said, "Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Home." And Doctor Roger Me was like, "That's it. She's going home." Ah. So he understood that you really、yeah. needed to get out of the hospital, and I'm、yeah. sure this was not the first time he had seen something like that. Tell me about what kind of support you needed to be able to get home. I'm sure you had to do some rehabilitation. Tell me about some of the professionals who had to work with you. I had to work with occupational physical. The vocational therapies—they came like every so many days, every week,、mm-hmm. and did stuff with me. And I did relearn how to ride my bicycle. Yay! <laughs> you had a great motivator there, didn't you? Yeah. And I did have to go home on a feeding tube. Oh wow! Since it was placed in Cleveland, Ohio.、Mm-hmm. The doctors here did not want to touch it. Sure, my mom kind of did a no, no. Oh no! They were like, "Oh well, you're gonna have to travel back to Cleveland and have them take it out." Well, my mom's like, "No, we can't travel back." So she sat me in the floor and pulled it out. <gasps> oh my gosh! Did it hurt? It felt weird. Yeah, because it was like going up and out my nose. Oh, okay. So you had an NG tube in your nose.、Okay. Yeah, babies pull those tubes out all the time. So, okay, yeah, I'm sure it did feel weird. They can either stitch it in,、uh-huh. or they can just have a little weight at the end of it.、Uh-huh. And thank goodness, mine only had a weight. Oh well, yeah, because otherwise that might have really, really hurt. Yeah. Wow. Did you see a speech pathologist as well? 
Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So you had a whole team helping you, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, I had my stroke in July. And by late August, I was already back in school. Wow. So you actually had a fairly quick recovery. Yeah. (laughs) But I had to deal with speech therapy basically the rest of my elementary school, which was, yeah, three years. And did you also have to do physical and occupational therapy for those three years? No, I only had to do physical and occupational therapy for a couple of months afterwards. I had somewhat relearned how to walk in the hospital, and they were doing a little bit of occupational therapy with me and everything Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't have to carry it over very long. Hi, my name is Jamie Alcroft, and I just published my new book, The Tin Man Diaries. It's an amazing story of my sudden change of heart as I went through a heart and liver transplant. I can think of no better way to read the Tin Man Diaries than to cuddle up in your favorite Hearts Unite the Globe sweatshirt and your favorite hot beverage, of course, in your Hearts Unite the Globe mug, both of which are available at the Hug Podcast Network online store. Or visit heartsunitetheglobe.org. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Before the break, we were talking with Julia about growing up with Ivermark syndrome and the surgery she had and recovering from a stroke. It was actually rather involved, but I want to talk in this segment about life today. Julia, you're an adult now living with Ivermark syndrome, so tell us what your life is like living with this syndrome. It's very different because you have people looking at you like you are weird. But for a lot of reasons, my life is a lot better than my childhood. I got married six years ago to my lifelong partner. Mm -hmm. And ever since I've been with him, my health has been a lot better than it was previously. I was in and out of the hospital a lot due to various illnesses. And the doctors didn't even know what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be hard. Let me back up a little bit, though. I've seen pictures of you, and I've actually spoken with you on Skype, and you're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with you. Why would people act like there's something weird with you? Because I don't normally show my scars. Like, most of my shirts are, like, a little bit longer, so they don't show my scar. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I'm out in public if I cough because I get really bad mucus build up. They look at me like I'm sick or something and they're like, okay, we don't understand what's wrong with her. 
And when I was in middle school, my mom actually got in trouble one time because she parked in a handicapped spot because I had a handicapped placard. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you can't park here because, you know, you don't have a handicap. And she's like, my daughter, she said, she's got a handicap. That's the only reason I park here. I think she's either dropping me off or picking me up. And they got into a kind of a little altercation. <laughs> Nothing physical. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is a problem I've heard from so many people, Julia, where many heart patients look normal. They're not crippled. They don't walk like they have cerebral palsy. They're not in a wheelchair or a scooter. And so people think, oh, you're fine. You're not supposed to be parking there. And people just have no idea. They don't see that if your mother had to park very far back in the parking lot and you had to walk a really long distance with a single ventricle heart that by the time you got to your classroom you'd need a nap they don't know that. yeah they just well see whenever I was in high school my school had built on like the next year from my freshman year and so I actually had two different lockers one downstairs and one upstairs by two different classes because I couldn't carry the books. Right, right. It's really heavy. And even if you had a backpack, you had scoliosis. You had problems with your back. So that would not have been advisable. Well, due to scoliosis, I did have a rolling backpack. But in high school, they really didn't want you to use them a lot. So it was really tough on me. Sure. And my high school was a two-story school, so luckily they had an elevator. And then whenever they added the addition on, they put in a second elevator. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, that had to have made things easier for you. Did you have a special key, or could anybody use the elevator? I had a key that I could use. There were several people with illnesses Mm -hmm some people in wheelchairs or whatever in the school and each one of us that had to use the elevator or people that were on crutches or mm-hmm. whatever sure. that had to use the elevator had a key. Okay. Now you're 26 years old. Tell us mm-hmm. what you're hoping for the future. I know you're married to a man you adore. Yes. What do the two of you hope for the future? We hope to one day on our own home. Oh, that uh, right wonderful. now we are renting. Mm-hmm. As far as me, I want to become a motivational speaker and travel the world. Oh, wow. I know that a lot of people get hope from me because of what I've been through. And I think more people would love for me to be able to travel. I have a friend in Belize. She is a big support for me because she's like you've got this and she wants me to be able to one day come to Belize. I hope to write a book about my experiences with Ivermark syndrome and get it published. I have a very giving and caring heart for people that are in need. I started a fund with a church that I was in where We took up pop cans and whatever money 
we got from taking those and getting them crushed would go into this bank account and it helped fund kids being able to go to church camp. That's wonderful. So you're definitely a philanthropist and you care yeah. about others. Are you hoping to connect with other people with Ivermark syndrome when you travel the world? I hope so. I know it's more common in different parts of the world. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's like Europe or somewhere where it's more common because I actually met a girl who had a congenital heart defect when I was younger. And she was from Russia or somewhere. And it was very, very neat because you would never have known until we got to talking to her. I don't know if it was our parents or our grandparents or who it was, but they're like, oh, yeah, she has da-da-da. And so that was really neat. She came from a different country to America, and she had a congenital heart defect. Now, she didn't have Ivermark syndrome, but no. was this the first person you had met who also had a heart defect? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So that really did have an impact on you. And she was mm -hmm. from another country, from across yeah. the world. Wow. Well, what advice do you have, Julia, for other families who have somebody living with Ivermark syndrome? What would you tell a heart warrior is the most important lesson you've learned in growing up with this very rare condition? The most important lesson I've learned is to never give up hope. And to keep your faith in God because he's working miracles all the time. I've seen them firsthand. And to live with no regrets because if you live with regrets, you'll miss out on something. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I love it. And I certainly have learned more about Ivermark syndrome now that you have informed me what it's all about. I think you're the very first person I've met who has that condition. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Julia. Thank you. Well, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.